Hello, and welcome to the Trump Scorecard. I'm your host, Jesse Burney, and I am not a lawyer, but you don't need a law degree to understand how a lawyer for the President of the United States should act. If you're defending the President from multiple investigations, you tell him to shut up. Now, obviously, this hasn't worked with Donald Trump. He's always running his mouth on Twitter and on TV, calling the Russia investigation a hoax, saying things against his own interests. So either he never listens to what his lawyer has to say, or he has literally the world's worst lawyer. We can't know which it is, but we just got a lot of evidence that his lawyer is comically bad. On Wednesday, Rachel Maddow did a story about his lawyer, Mark Kasowitz, and a viewer decided to write a polite email to Kasowitz suggesting he resign working for Trump for the good of his own reputation and his firm's reputation. And like any normal lawyer working on a high-profile case, Kasowitz ignored the man. No, I'm just kidding. He wrote him back five minutes later saying, fuck you, then wrote him back again telling him to watch your back, bitch. The man wrote a polite response and Kasowitz called him a piece of shit and then wrote a fourth email saying, I already know where you live. You can read the whole exchange on ProPublica. There's a link on my website, thetrumpscorecard.org to the story. If I were on trial for shoplifting and my lawyer pulled a stunt like this, I would fire his ass. This guy is representing the president and he's sending email calling someone a bitch. Talk about not normal. This is not normal. But it does make every single thing Trump does make a lot more sense. Trump didn't choose an experienced D.C. lawyer who understands the ins and outs of congressional investigations and Department of Justice special prosecutors. He chose himself, someone with no self-control and no judgment, someone who more than anything else would let Trump be Trump and won't criticize him for saying what he wants when he wants, no matter how bad it is for his case. Trump and Kasowitz both think their best defense is a full-court offense, and that's true whether they're taking on the media, Robert Mueller, or some random guy from the internet. It was Kasowitz who wrote those emails, not Trump. But Trump hired the guy, and he hasn't fired Kasowitz as of this recording, and to be honest, I doubt he will over this. This is the behavior Trump wants from his lawyer, and that says so much about the kind of president he is and the kind of human being he is. He's not smart, he's not kind, and he's not even thoughtful when it comes to his own self-interest. He's all impulse. He just wants to lash out at whatever annoys him at the moment. So of course he picked a lawyer who acts the same as he does, no matter how much it's going to hurt his case. And it will hurt his case a lot but not as much as the much bigger news this week. Donald Trump Jr. Donald Trump Jr., you beautiful bastard. You did it. You released the emails. You literally showed everyone the email chain proving that you welcomed a meeting with someone you thought was an agent of the Russian government offering dirt on Hillary Clinton. It was the dumbest thing you could have possibly done. And you regularly post white supremacist memes on social media. My God, you're an idiot. And more important, like his lawyer, you're a reflection of your father. I wrote about it this week in Rolling Stone, but 
not taking that meaning was such an easy, obvious call. And Junior's delight in taking it shows exactly the kind of person he is. A bad one. Even a barely functioning moral compass would steer you away from that meeting. Junior doesn't have one. Why do you think that is? Who in his life could possibly have taught him the lesson that you win at all costs, no matter what stands in your way? Who could have taught him that rules and accountability are for losers and that you never, ever admit a mistake? Donald Trump Jr. is a reflection of his father, plain and simple. He made the call his father would have made, and that's why his father stood by him so movingly in the wake of the story. Um, I have a quick uh, statement that I'll read from the president. Um, My son is a high-quality person, and I applaud his transparency. Seriously, who calls his son high-quality? This wasn't an off-the-cuff statement. It was written down for someone else to say. He, He could have had it say whatever he wanted, and he called his child, his firstborn, high quality, like he was a Trump stake. And let's be honest, when it comes to quality, Trump stakes and Don Jr. are pretty much on the same level. What a sad idiot. And of course, Russia was the big story this week. And it's also the 25th episode of the podcast. So I wanted to do something a little different. So I had folks call in with their questions about the scandal. I'll get to those calls in a little bit. But first, I want to briefly touch on some of the other news of the week. After Trump's G20 meeting last week, he came back and had no public appearances, none. Days passed and he literally flew back to Europe before coming out in public, although he did manage to get a round of golf in there because, of course, he did. I mean, he was probably celebrating his huge victory, agreeing with Putin to form a cybersecurity unit because we definitely want to collaborate with the Russians on cybersecurity. What could possibly go wrong with that? But I'm not talking about Russia this segment, remember? I'm talking about his current trip to France, which seems to be going pretty well, except for this. I don't know if you could hear that. In case you couldn't, what he said was, you're in such good shape. Beautiful. Who did he say this to? To the wife of the president of France. Donald Trump is the president. He is going to another country to represent all of us. And he is commenting on the French president's wife's body. How utterly and completely stupid can he be? We know he's a pussy grabber who judges women on their appearances and only on their appearance. We know the highest compliment he's ever paid his own daughter is that he thinks she's hot enough for him to date. But Jesus Christ, can you turn it off for one second and not tell the first lady of France she has a hot bod? This is how you end up with a son who releases evidence he colluded with Russia. Right. Not talking about Russia. Moving on. Speaking of Russia, you know who else lied about his meetings with Russia? That's right. Michael Flynn. No, wait. I mean, Jared Kushner. No, wait. I mean, Jeff Sessions. 
the, the one who lied under oath but is somehow still the attorney general, well, at least he's doing great things as AG, like going to speak in front of anti-gay hate groups so they know they have the full support of the United States government behind them. No, seriously, he spoke in front of the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is the way cool kids say Alliance for Gay People Shouldn't Be Allowed to Get Married. We don't know what he said. The event was closed to press, and both the AG's office and the Alliance for Defending Freedom have refused to release his remarks. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he didn't tell them they were wrong about everything and maybe should spend their time thinking about more important things than ruining the happiness of others. Guys, can we just set two simple rules for the administration? Don't tell the First Lady of France she has a hot bod and don't speak to hate groups. Just those two. Let's just set the bar there. That'd be great. Okay, one last story before we get to our Russia calls, and I promise this one has nothing to do with Russia. Candace Jackson is in charge of protecting students' civil rights at the Department of Education. Needless to say, that's a critical job. American students face all kinds of discrimination based on race, religion, sexual orientation, gender, and more. Jackson is also a sexual assault survivor, so you would think she would be especially sensitive to the epidemic of rape on college campuses. That's why it was so shocking when she said 90%, 90% of rape accusations on college campuses are just cases of two drunk people and the woman regretting it months later. She called 90% of the women who claim to be raped liars. It's honestly an incomprehensible thing for anyone to say, let alone someone who is a sexual assault survivor herself. And she did later walk the comments back a bit, but what a horrific message that was to send to young women who are so often terrified to report assault because they know they will be disbelieved and demonized. And here's the woman in charge of protecting their civil rights, claiming 90% of them are liars. Candace Jackson should know better. Walking the comments back is a decent start, but it's just a start. She needs a full apology and to commit her office to taking on college sexual assaults. But given that her boss is Betsy DeVos and her boss is Donald Trump, I'm not particularly hopeful. All right, you've got questions. I've got something approximating answers. So let's go to the phones. I'm talking with Peggy from Chicago. Hey, Peggy, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So tell me your thoughts on the on the Russia investigation. Well, I had a question um, regarding whether these House GOP members are fearful for their lives, because I don't understand why anybody would turn on their country the way these people have. And if you're dealing with Putin, you would be scared, too. So I, I don't know what's happening. I can't understand it. I don't understand people who just hand their country over. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think probably that the that Putin is threatening the the entire GOP caucus, um, well, in Congress. The, the but, big dogs, maybe. Yeah, maybe it could be. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't have any evidence to to think that's the case or or not. But, um, you know, I think they are scared, but I don't think they're scared of Putin. I think they're scared of uh, uh Republican primary voters. 
I really do. I, I think that they believe that if they go against Trump and come out and say, look, this is really serious. We need to we need to take this investigation seriously. We need to to really stop uh, trying to pass this guy's agenda until we have these questions answered. We need to put impeachment on the table if it if it turns out to be as bad as as it looks. Certainly, this guy can't be be uh, you know nominating folks like an FBI director or judges. If they were to do that, do what is you know in my opinion obviously the correct thing for the country. I think they're scared that they would be primaried and lose, which may be the case. And you know that is the thing about many elected officials, and this is a bipartisan thing. Is once you get that job you know, it's hard to, to lose it. It's hard to, I think, to do anything that gets in the way that you think is going to make it harder for you to win. So I think these people who are in districts, right, where they're not going to lose a general election, you know, where their, their main competition is in the primary. I think these folks are worried about someone saying, oh, you came out against Trump. I'm going to run against you. Trump won all the prime, you know, won not all the primaries, but the majority of primaries in 2016, they're worried they're going to get primaried if if they come out against him. Well, didn't two districts just flip recently? Like, isn't it starting? Is that is that what it's going to take? Like more more flipping from red to blue to get these guys to do something? I mean, I hope so. I feel like I they're letting so. this guy get away with murder. Yeah, I mean, there have been some there have been some uh, state legislative districts that flipped recently. No congressional districts have flipped yet. Uh, since Trump was elected, okay. we've had some very close races in districts that should not have been close, like in Georgia right. and Kansas and Montana. Um, and and I think those are are good indicators for 2018. Although it's 2018 is a long, a, a very long way away. But um, I, you know, I think we've seen those close races, and we've seen um, uh, yes, there have been some state legislative districts that have flipped which are good news. And, you know, we'll see what happens in places like Virginia and New Jersey that have elections this year. Um, but again, most of these folks are, are much more worried about primaries than, than general elections. Hopefully some of them will, will, will get kicked out in general elections next year. Well, let's I hope think, so. But yeah, that, I think Democrats are ready to run some more competitive races. Well, I'm just a mom watching all this unfold on TV and Twitter and, you know, and it's so complicated. I don't know. I don't even know how to talk to my kids about it. Yeah, it's hard. You know, I have that I problem all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, my kids are older though. Like, I have a teenager, an eleven-year-old, and and I and they ask me what's happening, and I can't even answer them. You know, yeah. like I can't give them a coherent answer, and that's what's so frustrating about all of it. Just play the podcast in the car on the way to school. Yeah, <laughs> I play the podcast all the time. I'm a podcast. I mean, junkie. <laughs> so let me tell you, but I love yours. Thank you so much for taking my question. Thanks so much, Peggy. And I'll continue to listen. I've got Michelle from New York on the line. What's your your question about Russia? It's it's interesting because I'm actually in Canada with my sister's family vacationing. And everybody we meet asks us where we're from. We say we're New Yorkers. And the first question is, what on earth is happening in your country? While I don't have the answer to that, it's a really interesting thing because I guess as the question I have is as a mom of two young kids who I'm looking towards the future, what if everything that's speculated about in the in the press is correct? Trump is guilty of collusion, Pence is guilty of lying, everybody down the line is guilty of something. 
where do we go from here? How do we rectify this as a country, as a people, as just citizens of the United States when it seems we're so fractured at the moment? Such a, a such a good question, and and there is no easy answer. And and I may be the worst person to answer that because I'm, you know, very partisan. I've I've you know worked in democratic politics for you know a decade and a half, and I'm you know a hundred percent anti-Trump everything he's doing. Um, I don't like him as a person, so I'm in in a way like the worst messenger, right? Like I'm never going to be the person who who brings people together. And it's difficult because, you know, the, the the election was so shocking to so many people, myself included, because just seeing Americans vote for this guy who had said these terrible things and had done these terrible things and promised these terrible things and went to all these, you know, had these rallies where people were violent and he was encouraging it. And, you know, you can list all the all the terrible things he did during the campaign, like his attacks on the cons and Judge Curiel and Alicia Machado, all these things which should have been disqualifying. And people still voted for him. And they grabbed the pussy tape and people still voted for him. All this stuff happened. And so it's really hard to know how to reconcile with these 62 million Americans who saw all that and still pulled the lever for this guy. That's a really hard question. I get, I, listen, I fully get that. I'll be 100% honest with you. I have a special needs son. My seven-year-old, who loves to watch the news with me, came in and saw the tape one night on CNN of him making fun of the reporter. And what that did to her as a little girl, right. she said, why would this guy think that's okay? And I have to tell you, I, I didn't have a good answer. I had nothing to say to this child. And I said, well... He does, but it's not okay. And then when he was elected, I have a seven-year-old asking me, why would people vote for a guy who is an adult that made fun of somebody? And again, I looked at her and I said, I don't have an answer for you. And as a mom of two kids, as a mom of a special needs son and a daughter, once the grab the pussy tape came out, I was done. Once, you know, he made fun of the disabled reporter, I was done. It's really hard to look people in the face who say, I voted for Trump, and say to them, oh, okay, there is a starting point for us. Yeah, that that's the hardest problem I have to rectifying that and, and saying that we can work with people who thought he was okay to fix the problems that he's created. Because I do think we need to rebuild trust in democratic organi- uh, in small d you know democratic organizations like the press the judiciary things that our democracy depends on and he's done so much work and it's on top of of republicans doing this for years but he's done so much more work in terms of uh, of undercutting those those uh, trust in those organizations and rebuilding all of that because we have to have trust in independent judiciary and independent press. We have to restore all these democratic norms that he's just treating like garbage. I mean, little things like the 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 White House press briefings are now off camera. It's it's awful. I mean, it's it, all these little things need to be built back up. I mean, we just need to have a normal person there again. And whether that's a Republican or a Democrat, we need to have someone who respects the office and treats it with the reverence that it deserves. And, you know, maybe Mike Pence, if he became president, if Trump got kicked out, 
you know, I, I obviously think Mike Pence would be an awful president, but maybe at least he wouldn't treat the press, the judiciary, and democratic norms like they're meaningless and stupid. So, well, he'd you know, be a decent person. That's, I think that's what's yeah, I mean, kind it's, of it, odd about this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I have trouble calling someone like Mike Pence a decent person because I have so many ideological differences fair. with them. No. But at least <laughs> no, he'll be a person. Fair and fine. <laughs> but, it, but at least he'll be a person, like a normal person, yeah. like a normal bad it, guy. It would be a person from their side. Yeah. I spent my entire adult life disagreeing vehemently with the Republicans, with what they stand for. However, you could at least say that's his point of view. He's wrong, but that's his point of view. This guy, you can't even get to that place where you're disagreeing ideologically. No. Thank you so much for, for giving me a call tonight. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Talking with Matt from Victorville, California. Matt, how's it going tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. So uh, what do you want to talk about? You know, the thing that's bothered me about all of this Trump-Russia stuff is we're finding out more and more that Congress, the Gang of Eight, people that are in position to know these things have known the depth of this for a while now. And so... I realize it's tinfoil hat sounding, and I try not to buy into conspiracy theories. But my big question is, what if this is really just a ginormous thing, so big that the government doesn't really know how to present this to the people? Because clearly, the Gang of Eight, at least, certainly Special Prosecutor Mueller and other key people know almost everything there is to know, I would guess. And it just seems like... I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we still haven't heard yet, and I wonder if we ever are. And, and, and that kind of, I don't want to say scares me, but it certainly bothers me. I get it. I, I get that fear. Um, you know, the, the Gang of Eight, and for folks who don't know, that means the, uh, the leaders of the House and Senate, the majority and minority leaders in the House and Senate, as well as the, the uh, majority and minority uh, heads of the intelligence committees um, who get access, th those eight get access to classified information that other other members of Congress may not necessarily have access to. I don't think it's an issue of it being too big. We know that last year the, the intelligence committees had determined that Russia was responsible for this hacking. And McConnell specifically right. chose not to do anything about that um, and, and said that he would cry partisanship if, if the administration tried to do anything about it. So, do you believe um, that, by the way? I've, I've always wondered, do, do, as somebody who is, you know, uh, talks to these people and is connected I've never heard anybody really talk about that. Do you believe McConnell actually threatened Obama that he would cry partisanship and blow this whole thing up if it came yes, out sooner? I do. And I, and I also believe that it's possible that McConnell really felt that it would have been partisanship. Um, don't okay. underestimate the ability of these folks to, uh, um, to convince themselves of their, of their righteousness. Right. Um, sure. And I, I, I also think that they are still learning things. Um, I think that, that there's stuff being uncovered every day. I think there is a lot more we know now. I'm sure that Bob Mueller knows a lot more about what's going on than, than we do. Um, but mm -hmm. I'm sure he's also uncovering things all the time as well. And he probably does right. learn about some things in press reports. But, you know, I'm right. sure he he's uncovering things as part of his investigation. I mean, I'm really right. looking forward to his report, right? Because that's going to oh, be... Sure. 
the 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 comprehensive to me the the most likely ver- comprehensive version of all of this of here's what's happened and how that's presented to the people and that's going to be largely dependent on the press which you know there'll be good press versions of it and ba- and bad press versions of it sure. that summarize it too much and and you right. know there'll be bias on both sides versions of it including i'm sure my interpretation will be biased but um <laughs> there will be you know I, I don't think we i don't think we have the whole story yet and i do think that no. the investigations that are going on i mean i'm not i don't have a whole lot of faith especially in the house investigation i have not a ton of faith in the senate investigation i i have much more faith in, in Mueller's investigation but either way we're gonna have three reports as to this is what happened and right. you know, among that, we're going to have a, a full picture. I mean, it is a very, it is a very big story. It is very hard to to grasp. I mean, I I remember somebody yesterday mentioned the Trump kind of releasing a, a, a babbling about Israeli source intelligence in the Oval Office to you know uh, the Russian ambassador and foreign minister, and it just it, I had forgot about it. It was like the hugest yeah. biggest story, and it just. I had forgotten about it because every day there's a new thing and I don't think any one person can hold the whole thing in their brain the whole time. So, right. you know, it really will be dependent on, I think these kind of thorough investigations and the reports that come from that to have a really full picture of everything that went on. And and it could be anything. I mean, it could be everything from this meeting was it. This was all that happened was that they showed a willingness sure. to this meeting and that was the extent of collusion and everything else right. is about cover up and lies or it could be, right. Much, much deeper than that. I've always felt like in the end, this wasn't going to go all the way up to Trump. It was going to be some of these hangers on. And what was going to get him was all the cover up, firing Comey, making the statements he's made in public. And that was ultimately, if anything was going to happen to him, it was going to be because of that. Not necessarily because he personally contacted Vladimir Putin and said, hey, let's do this. Right. And, you know, the revelations that have already come out are really already bigger than Watergate to me. The revelations this week from Trump Jr. are insane that he released those emails. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is nuts. I mean, they, Russians came to them and said, we have an, a government attorney who wants to speak to you with damning information about Hillary Clinton. And they were like, oh, I love that. Let's take that meeting. Yeah, let's do that. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that is it. I mean, that he should, that's illegal and he should go to jail for that. You know, Trump Correct. firing Comey again is a clear to me, and I and I am not a lawyer, so these are uh, these are also the the judgments of an amateur. But uh, you know, Trump firing Comey clearly by his own admissions w- was an act of an act of um of obstruction of justice. It just it just is right. So you right. know, whatever else happens on top of this, and who's involved and how much, and whether there was you know ongoing collusion. I, I've seen all these rumors lately about. Um, that Russia was really targeting districts that they would have needed some information on, and maybe they got that from the mm-hmm. campaign somehow. And that's all just rumors and speculation, and I have no idea right. where that stuff like that could go. But it could be anything from we pretty much know everything now, which is already huge, to 10 times more than what we know now. We just don't know. All right, Matt, thanks so much for calling me tonight. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the invite. Thank you. I've got Ron from right here in D.C. What's your question? Hey, the question is, so so when are the Republicans going to finally stand up to step up to the plate here and do something? I mean, you know, we've got all this information. We clearly can see what uh, the president and his, his family have been doing. 
Um, you know, and so the question is, when are the Republicans in Congress going to say, look, I've had enough. I, I don't want to be called one of those people who stood by while the secrets uh, and the, uh, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the background and history and freedoms of the U.S. get handed away. Uh, when are they going to those members of Congress here I'm speaking of? We're going to say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to demand uh, accountability. Don't hold your breath. I think is the best yeah. answer. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's going to happen. I really don't. Um, they haven't shown any inclination to do that yet. And he has crossed so many lines. He crossed so many right. lines during the campaign. He's crossed so many lines uh, as president. And right. everything, you know, they, they often express concern and worry. Right. And, you know, right. there's mild disappointment. So that, that right. always happens. But there's never the never the okay this is this is really not right and now we're really going to stand up and do something and people keep waiting for that it's funny because we keep waiting for uh this pivot from and i I think we're done waiting but people keep waiting for this pivot from donald trump right everyone kept expecting him to act presidential once he became president Mm -hmm. and kept thinking he was Mm -hmm. it was like right on the verge of happening he'd give a Mm -hmm. you know a speech where he didn't go off teleprompter much people say oh look he's president now um and i think there's something really similar with the gop congress where people keep yeah. expecting the pivot to come. But see, right. I, see, I right. I'm, I'm with you. I understand that. And we've certainly seen that for, oh, God, we've had a long time now, haven't we? We've waited while they, we expected them to do something and they didn't do it. But, you know, I kind of am a believer in the tipping model. And, you know, at one point, at what, see, I kind of still believe that at some point, some information is going to come out that it's going to lead to one or two senators in pivotal positions to say, you know, this is wrong. And at that point, I am hopeful that the tipping model kicks in and others start coming around. Maybe you're right. Uh, It'd be nice. I mean, if it's going to happen, there'll be a couple of factors, right? First, his, his, uh, his already low approval ratings need to drop even lower, uh, probably below 30. Um, it needs to be not just senators saying something. You know, every time McCain and Graham or Ben Sass say something, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, they're those guys who always talk a big game but don't do anything. Right. So I don't think it can right. be those guys. The question right. is, what would get McConnell to do something or Paul Ryan? And, you know, if we're talking impeachment, it's got to be the House. Yeah. So you got to get Paul Ryan to right. do it. So who, you know, where's the political pressure on those folks? Maybe the Mueller report. I mean, maybe that Mueller is going to come up with something that is so detailed. And so unpleasant and so embarrassing that finally one or two of them are going to finally have to cave and say, you know, I don't want in 10 years to be viewed as a Trump coat. You know, I don't want in 10 years to be viewed as the guy who allowed the sort of Russians to take over for two generations in the U.S. Maybe. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. That's the, I, that's the hope. I mean, that's so that, you know, but again, like, don't hold your breath. I mean, you see that no matter what happens even with the revelations this week of Donald Trump Jr. and what he did and how clearly wrong that is, you still have people on TV defending them. And those people are going to keep defending them. And that gives people political cover. I mean, they have cover in the media and they have cover by their own base. And remember, these people are scared of their own base, right? They're scared of losing primary elections more than general elections. And so as long as their base are getting fed a different set of facts, Mm -hmm. it's going to be really, hard for them to 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 give in yeah. and, and, to, and, to, and to do the right to right. do with the right thing and to support your point i mean i saw something last night on brian williams about like 84 percent of the republicans believe that trump's doing a good job so it totally reinforces your point 
It's like they don't even listen to my podcast. Can you believe it? Oh, disgusting. That's it for another week with a justice-obstructing, Russia-colluding, president of France's wife, Ogling Nimrod, as our president. I want to thank Peggy, Michelle, Matt, and Ron, and everyone who sent in questions. I also want to wish a happy birthday to my brother, Dax, who turns super old today. Don't forget, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Trump scorecard to pledge your support for the podcast. I'm thinking about upgrading and starting to record in a real studio, and Patreon will help pay for that. You can find links to all the stories I've talked about today on the website at thetrumpscorecard.org. Visit the Facebook page and like the podcast at facebook.com slash the Trump scorecard. And if you have any thoughts, please share them with me. I promise I won't write back and call you a piece of shit. The email address, thetrumpscorecard at gmail.com. I'm talking to Ron from D... From, uh, try that again. See, this is why it's good. It's editable. The Trump Scorecard is written, hosted, edited, and produced by me, Jesse Burney. Our music is from bensound.com. I'll be back next week. And remember, this is not normal. Normal.